And we're live. Well, welcome Yay. again, everybody. Hi. <laughs> How you doing, Monty? I'm doing pretty good. Um, mm. As you know, I'm basically a plant at this point with how much I'm solar powered, and it's very sunny up today. Hmm, nice. I, oh, I wouldn't I... know, as the degenerate I am, I have closed my curtains, <laughs> so no sunlight coming my... in. <laughs> yeah, I love my curtains open, personally. I, I like but... them open, I just don't have them open right now, which seems like a lapse in judgment. <laughs> you lazy or something? Is that what it is? Uh, no, I don't think so. I think it's just, you know, I was painting a model earlier, and it's just awful to do with sunlight. Don't oh. do not do sunlight. Okay? That's true. Alright. I also, I also found out today, since it's Memorial Day weekend, right? Well, yeah. almost a weekend. Traffic is going to be a nightmare. Oh, yeah, no. It's going to be horrible. Alright, but how are you doing? I'm doing okay. I really shouldn't have stayed up as as late as I did last night, but I'm successfully recovering. Well, if you don't mind sharing with the class, my good man, what exactly were you doing the night? Okay, well, I was watching a, a pretty good show. Which I'm not allowed to name for legal reasons. Okay. <laughs> and uh, okay. the problem was it had a really good plot point that I that we watched it as a family, decided that we just had to watch another episode. You don't and, need to tell me what the show is after we're done here. Yeah, it yeah. You'll probably guess it, but it's so it's so pretty good. Okay. Alright, Monty. Well, you want you seem to be the disclaimer guy, so you know what? You got it. Uh, Go uh, ahead. Are you sure, man? You sure? Okay, you know, fine. I'll take it. I'll take it. So, <clears throat> little disclaimer here. We're 18 years old. Uh, we have no PhD level knowledge, no degrees in any of the stuff we're talking about. All we have is our brains and I would say a pretty good logical prowess. And, and our opinions can and have changed <laughs> a lot. It's kind of <clears throat> whole point okay. of this thing. Yeah. So. I... I go first? Yeah, stage is yours. I feel like we should vary this a little bit, but okay. We'll vary it when I want to. <laughs> <laughs> when I want to. <laughs> Voices. Uh, Ooh, okay. So, you know how important your voice is, right? Yes. I think you don't even know a tenth of it, really. So, this is the interesting part about it. Mm-hmm. They've done a lot of stories about how important it is to have the right kind of voice at the right time. So, for example, you know how calm and soothing a, a deep voice can be, right? I understand. <laughs> Uh, a lot of studies have shown that you actually have a much higher chance of being trusted if you do a deep voice. Really? I never thought of that. Yeah. <laughs> Dang it, Monty. <laughs> what? Am I doing something weird right now? <laughs> but it's interesting because it comes from that natural assumption that the deeper your voice is, the more testosterone you have. 
Yes, of course. I am very masculine. Monty, you've gone from like what seemed like a hip, cool DJ. Now you just sound like Gandalf. <laughs> well, yes. speaking of voice, I, I don't, I don't want to cut you off. No, you got. Okay, so the mic quality <laughs> is completely fun. So until it's fixed, it's it's gonna be the running joke. All right, all right, go ahead, carry on. Don't call it funny because then it's not funny, Monty. Oh, doing? sorry, sorry. <laughs> But, uh, I just wanted to know what your thoughts on that were, that people, like, there's a scientific study out there that people trust deep-voiced people more than they, the, the squeaky-voiced people like me. Okay. Um, I would think it would also have to go into maturity as well, right? Like, okay. <clears throat> someone comes in with a deep voice, you automatically, like, you have an idea they're going to be this <laughs> alpha type of guy, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, yeah. This guy knows what he's doing because he has a deep voice, which is funny. But still, I mean, it's like an actual thing that happens, regardless of you want it or not. It just happens that way. And then someone with a squeaky voice, they can seem almost childish. Mm. So it's interesting to note that if people have this deep voice bias, right, then it's really important to train your voice and I've been doing that over the past few days just mm-hmm. hobby interest of mine try to make myself better uh, doing New Year's resolutions not on New Year's <laughs> but smart yeah it fascinates me how many ways there are to change your voice like you're, you're a musician right Monty I make music yeah, yeah okay it's the same difference <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, like, you have pitch, timbre, like, bass, all this stuff. Mm-hmm. You yeah. don't realize how much of your voice you actually control until you, like, look at the books and you're like, gosh, dang it, why is there all this stuff? <laughs> well, I mean, I have an idea of the weird things you can do with your vocal cords, but not specifically the voice, because, well, I like to play with my vocal cords and make unhuman noises because I'm crazy <laughs> like that. <laughs> Just insane, Monty. I'll demonstrate at the end, because that's going to be enlightening for you guys. You're going to love it. I'm worried. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you should. But, for example, there's... You've heard about speaking from your chest before, right, Monty? Yeah. So they actually have several regions. You've got your head voice, your throat voice, your chest voice, and your diaphragm. If you don't mind, can you give, like, a demonstration? Yeah, so, uh, once again, I've only been doing this for a few, like, a week or two, so it's not going to be great, but head voice is like this. You're just kind of speaking directly from the head. Mm-hmm. You're not really drawing from any deeper, like, inside your body, right? Uh-huh. Throat voice, this is my best approximation of it. You're kind of drawing from the throat area imagining the wind passing through it. I never really got chest. This is my best approximation of it. And it it makes it a little bit deeper. <clears throat> and then diaphragm is using the whole thing. Like, all the way down from the lungs up. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. I have a pretty good idea what you're talking about. I will say it's more like a 
a feeling, kind of? Yeah, no. The, the best way I imagine it is you're tracing your steps back to where the air is actually coming from. Okay. Yeah. Well, are you actually tracing back to where the air is coming from? Well, because the whole point is, all talking is, is moving air over your vocal cords, right? Yeah. So, your diaphragm is the base of that, and it's what's pushing the air out of your mouth and making you make noises. Uh, mm-hmm. So, if you start there, you have the most control over your tone and your pitch. Uh-huh. But as you move up, you have less and less control till you get to your edge voice, and you have literally nothing. You just have this. Okay. You know? Okay, I get that. But... Hmm, that, that, that's actually very fast. Well, it's interesting because you don't really think about your voice until you actually dive into it, and you realize how much of it is just the way you were born talking, and you could change that. Mm-hmm. Like, well, yeah, you go. Okay, so like I said, I like to put up my vocal cords to make inhuman noises, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like um the ability to wiggle your ears. Yeah. Have you ever tried that? I I've tried. I've never succeeded. Okay, so how it works is you basically like move your eyebrows up or just your forehead, and then if you practice enough, you can basically feel the specific muscle that's responsible for, like, around the ear movement, and then you can specifically focus on that part. So, that's how I like to play with the vocal cords to make inhuman noises, and I just find it very funny. By raising your eyebrows? Well, it's a metaphor, obviously. (laughs) You can just imagine your eyes opening, like, 180 degrees and just inhuman bat screeching coming out. I do the Dwayne Johnson smolder. My (laughs) voice just drops three octaves. Good thing there. That actually chains me to my next point pretty well. Oh. Realize how much time these people spend on their voices? I have... Well, before this conversation, I would say that yes, they would spend a fair bit of time, but now after this discussion about well, teaching the class, <laughs> <laughs> I would say that now they probably spend like a lot of time just they trying to figure out hours every day with vocal coaches doing this stuff. Wow, vocal co- coaches! Vocal coaches. There are people who are specifically their entire deal is getting your voice to sound better. Wow. It's a profession. I, I need a vocal coach for this mic quality. <laughs> I, I don't think that, that any any vocal coach could make this joke better, but... Hey, man, you don't know that. <laughs> so, what fascinates me is how... You know how The Rock has... He has a pretty good, like, definitive voice. Yeah. You you know what the rock's cooking. <laughs> yeah. But then other actors, they have so many different voices, like the cartoon actors, mm-hmm. that you you genuinely forget who's acting until you look at the credits and you're like, what the heck? This guy voiced like you know, like he voiced like Pinocchio, but also Batman. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like uh I I'm just Going off of examples here, I'm looking, but... Mm-hmm. You know how 
there's The Simpsons, right? Great show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows how one voice actor does half the voices in that show. I didn't. Yeah. No. There's one guy, and like, let me look him up real quick. But he is insane. He does like almost all the voices. Had me fooled. <laughs> it's insane. I'm. I'm genuinely. What's next? I'm We're looking it up like... because I want to make sure it's the right person. But. It's Hank. Wait, what's next? Hank Azaria, I think. That's his name. And filmography. Filmography. Alright, I'll know when it when it's him because he says that this massive block. I believe. Okay, so no. I the, yeah. I find, I find it so funny how we just keep accidentally butt- butting heads when we're just trying to talk. No, it's it's hilarious, right? This is what you want from it's conversational. The, it's does, the funniest thing ever. He does the barkeep. He does the police officer. He does the Indian salesman. Mm-hmm. And a bunch of other ones. Okay, some... Just off that alone. That's quite a few, like, varied voices. Like, have you ever heard the bartender and the cop? You know? Mm-hmm. It's two different vocal styles. Yeah. And that's just scratching the surface. And there's... Probably people more talented than him who could do even more voices. <laughs> that is crazy. But like, yeah, you go. When I think of uh, voice actors that do a amazing job, I like to think Charlie Day because mm-hmm. I think the movie was Fist Fight. I think it was. It was that was a funny movie, but he basically plays the role of a teacher who was a coward and would, like, squirm every second to, like, this absolute mad lat by the end. And he, like, played the voice of it all very well. And I'm, yeah, and after all the stuff we talked about, it makes a lot of sense. Mm. Well, it's just interesting, because you, you don't realize how much your voice, like, you can control it, as said, until you try it. And then mm-hmm. you have people doing, like, 15 different roles on a TV show. <laughs> mm-hmm. But that's where I was trying to get into this idea of, is it better to have that distinct rock-type voice where somebody hears one line from you and knows, oh, that's the rock? Or is it better to have the vocal diversity? You know? Oh, you gave me a whole other idea. Hang on. Um, stall right. for a minute. Stall, stall for a minute. Stall, stall. <laughs> okay. Yeah, well, just start, start stalling, start stalling. Okay, so one of my favorite examples of great voice acting for its type is there's this guy, he's like Chris Chris Voss? Chris mm-hmm. Voss. And he is an FBI agent. And this guy's going to come up later because he's part of my head's history for today. But to make it simple, he did a bunch of research into how voice, like, vocal things affect FBI negotiations. And mm-hmm. he, f- he found out that the deeper your voice for an FBI negotiation, the more likely pe- the people in the building, the terrorists, are actually going to follow your demands. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, stop you right there, All because right. 
this, this is history, history lesson. Yeah. Yeah, that, that history lesson's actually going to be very good, just by the sound of it. Yeah, all right. Pun not intended. So, the idea that it, that all that brought to me was the idea of, like, jack-of-all-trades versus special. Mm-hmm. Which, well, I'll love to discuss that on a later date. But the idea of a rock-style voice that's just universally known, like Morgan Freeman. Yeah, that's a great example. Versus, yeah, versus a voice that is that can vary drastically. Like Hank Azaria. Yeah. Mm, I would say it's all dependent on who the person is, right? Like, mm-hmm. if it's The Rock, then every role in every movie he plays, he's always the, the guy. <laughs> yeah, exactly, The Rock. <laughs> you can't he's cast the rock. the rock as not The Rock. <laughs> I mean, like, what? When is when is there been any movie that casted the rock as some wimpy scrawny dude well that's, Never. The, that's the interesting thing is that the rock can either be super strong or the guy you think is going to be super strong and then turns out to be weak no in between yeah yeah but with a lot of these guys just they have such vocal ranges and so many things they could be the in-betweens and the extremes mm-hmm. is so, that kind of what you're getting at yeah. So, hmm. Yeah, I would say it really just depends on the person because I can't really think of like a voice actor in particular that can fit the, you know, my voice fits all roles type of style. So I'll just use Charlie Day for instance again. So, like I said with the movie, right? He was able to portray a guy who was weak. And then by the end of it, a guy who was strong and confident. I might, I, I need to see that. I might be misremembering. But that's how I remember it. So, okay. and that's, hmm. Personally, I would choose the specialized voice. That's just a trademark. Because mm. I, I just, I just, I just find that very cool to go into a room and just have that, have the voice of just, the guy, that guy. Mm. Well, another thing I want to mention is virtual voice manipulation and how you can. Oh, yeah, yeah, we're going here, Ooh. Monty. What's oh. your thoughts on it? Oh man, that is terrifying. Let me tell you, that oh. is like the scariest thing I have ever witnessed. My In what life. way? In what way? So. The moment I heard about that, I was thinking of all the implications of it. The implications that people can make ads in someone's voice. <laughs> and they could literally get money that way. I mean, most AI voice generators, they usually have like a specific pattern that they have, so it's very... You can detect sure. it. Yeah, you can detect it. But for the people who can't, right, they're going to be prey to that. Mm. And it's just well, crazy. The interesting thing is virtual voice manipulation has been around for a really long time because whether you're talking about just editing someone's existing voice or like trying to fabricate new voice from it, it's interesting. Like uh, one of the great examples, you know about South Park. Yeah. All of the kids are actually voiced by two people. (laughs) So. Huh. Good. So. When you say all the kids, do you mean like the main cast or just all the kids in the show? Everybody. Almost every single person that's like a kid is voiced by the characters, like the boy kids. 
the girl wow. kids are voiced by a different actor, like actress. And then right. they have a few other actors for the adults. Even some of the adults are done by these two actors. They're Trey Stone and or Matt Stone and Trey Parker. That's their name. I mean, uh, okay, uh, I'll admit, like the kids, they do have a similar voice, but I never thought it would be the same actor doing all that. No. But you know what's That's the true. funny part about it? What? They're all just pitched up versions of the actors' voices. Okay. You know what? They literally that... went into like editing software and just went up a few pitches. <laughs> you know, at this point I might be surprised. Well, it's funny because you realize how much it lends to the show's like feel that these kids have very high pitched voices. <laughs> yeah. I think it's actually, like, a great asset to them. Hmm. And that's why I wanted to discuss digital voice manipulation, because it sounds like a great asset in a lot of circumstances. Yeah, it definitely can be. But also, you can have ads where people think it's one person's voice, but it's another. Yeah. So I think it's time for Hez's history. Oh, okay. So... Sitting here. Go ahead. Chris Voss. This guy is a boss. (laughs) So. Yeah. Yeah, I know. You're going to give us a a little haiku or something? Is that what you're trying to do? No. (laughs) I I can't come up with a haiku on the spot like that. But. Aw. This guy is awesome because he does studies into how FBI negotiators should talk in order to get their, like, correspondent to let go of the hostages and all that stuff, right? Yeah. So, he has a story where he was talking about the importance of manipulating your, like, getting to a deeper voice, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this is kind of related, kind of unrelated, but one of the funniest things he does is he actually manages to convince a group of terrorists who want him to uh, pay, like, two million dollars for somebody to release be released mm-hmm. he manages to talk them down to five thousand dollars in a vcr player <laughs> <laughs> this man said you know what you could have a million dollars but you know what we'll give you a vcr <laughs> and let me guess let me guess let me guess they accepted it they accepted the five thousand. They gave him back the VCR player. <laughs> <laughs> it's, oh yeah, you know, five k in a VCR. Take it or leave it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny because it worked. <laughs> Imagine some deep voiced man walks. He's like, "I understand you've got fifteen hostages, but." I've got a VCR player right here that can play all your favorite <laughs> movies. <laughs> and $5,000 that you could get if you just released those people. Imagine but... all the copies of Little Mermaid on VCR you could buy with that $5,000. <laughs> Imagine all the My Little Pony bunch. <laughs> no, we no, know, money. We, we know that you belong in a mental asylum. <laughs> I mean, uh, you, you, uh, don't forget it. Okay, but... We already lost funding. You know how I'm talking about the importance of deep voices, right? Mm Mm-hmm. I'm just wondering, if that had been anybody else in that situation, any of these voice actors, that could have gone horribly wrong. (laughs) 
Well, I mean, are we just talking strictly the voice or just the word said? Well, imagine, you know, like, I've got a five, like, I've got a VCR player. Imagine if Gil, if Gilbert Gottfried said that, you know? Like, get to the point, like, I've got a $5,000 VCR player. You know how much you can watch on this? They'll, they'll probably be laughing the whole time and just kill everybody in there just for the heck of it. <laughs> the terrorists, I'll shoot everybody in here and then myself after hearing that. <laughs> <laughs> but oh, seriously, man. like, there's certain voices you don't want to be the people talking to the dangerous people. <laughs> I mean, that, that makes sense. Like, you, you want somebody, like, you can imagine Morgan Freeman would be a pretty good one, you know? Yeah. Especially because you could inspire that existential dread in them. <laughs> <laughs> like he's still on the phone with him he's like I could get you this VCR player and the guy's like fine turns around little did he know that as soon as he'd come out of that building that bullet would enter his head at 5,000 meters per second <laughs> <laughs> now I'm just thinking of like having Morgan Freeman just constantly being a narrator that thing <laughs> someone does it's like Jimmy someone just locked out store. He realized that there were no more Pop-Tarts in the main aisle. This made him <laughs> greatly upset. Little did he know, this would set off a long series of events that would lead to his eventual demise. <laughs> <laughs> At the hands of a preteen wielding a gattle. <laughs> nah, you'll leave it at eventual demise to Timmy's just sitting there like, Excuse me, Morgan Freeman? <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me? <laughs> Uh, but it's like all so, those, yeah. Go ahead, go ahead. All those movies, you know, like Bruce Almighty and such, where he's Morgan Freeman acts as the big man upstairs. Yeah, that that's one of my favorite roles for him because it fits him so perfectly. <laughs> hmm. All right. Well, well this is my time to shine. <laughs> <clears throat> all right, ladies and gentlemen, today. We will be teaching you a very important lesson in fear, courage, and fearlessness. Everyone, get some popcorn. Get comfortable. So what the heck Stay. is the difference between courage and fearlessness, Monty? Come on! <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I'm sitting here with my popcorn, and I want to talk during the movie. <laughs> okay. I hate people like you, man. I'm, not, I'm never taking you to a movie. Okay, okay, but jokes aside, though. So, yeah. courage, fearlessness. So, fearlessness is the lack of fear, and courage is the ability to come over or overcome the fear, which is, you know, just a dumbed-down version. Oh. So. Mm. <laughs> oh, oh, you have some thoughts? Well, because they aren't the same thing, right? They aren't. So it's fully capable. You have somebody who's just too dumb to understand they're in danger. <laughs> oh, oh, you know, no, actually, I will explain that later on. Well, right? well, you, I, I think it's hard to argue that because fraternities exist, Monty. <laughs> <laughs> but hold on to that thought, all right? Because I'm going to prove you wrong, all okay. right? So, this book, Fiftieth Law by Robert Greene and Fifty Cent. You guys know Fifty Cent, right? Okay, so that book basically talks about fearlessness, 
a little bit of courage, but mainly fearlessness, and how 50 Cent learned how to be fearless. So, I'm going to try to touch the surface on it and do some, talk about some stuff that everyone knows. So, he, 50 Cent, grew up in the hood. So, he was in a place where death was normal. Drug shipping, drug, you know, deals were just, yeah, was completely normal. Gun violence, normal. So, he basically had nothing to fear after he got used to it. To the point of where anything he, well not anything, but most things he tries to do that might be fearful to some is not to him. Why? Because he had to deal with way worse, right? So it's like, um, yeah, definitely nurture. So I would say, um, like an example is skydiving, right? Or bungee jumping, whichever you prefer. I prefer neither, but... So, you go skydiving, right? After that, you're probably not going to be afraid to jump off a, uh, a playground, right? Because you're like, oh yeah, I jumped off a plane before, so this should, this should be light work. Got nothing to fear. So that's basically the idea of fearlessness, right? Conditioning yourself to not have fear. In certain situations, yeah. Mm. And... Even courage. Oh. No, yeah, courage. Okay, so courage, it's the idea that there is a fear, but you need to overcome that fear. And you hear lots of stories about people who are courageous, and the whole time, they were afraid, but they still were able to pull through because of courage. Mm -hmm. How were they able to pull through? Well, personally, I would say it's because of willpower, but, I mean, I don't know. But I'm just going to still say it's willpower. So, they overcome the fear because they want to, or because they have another fear behind them. So I'm going to say this in a way that you can visualize it. So think of it like two cars. No, three cars even. There's a car in front. Three of them, that... Monty? This is an insane amount of cars. I don't know if I can process this. Are you Cry about it. Cry <laughs> about it. <laughs> so <laughs> you have one car in the very front, and you're the car that's right behind it. You want to pass the car in front but you really do not want to pass the car because you would have to, well, do a pass Let's say, you know, you're afraid of changing lanes, I guess. You're afraid of change. <laughs> no, just just changing lanes, all right? That's it. That's it. As you go to change lanes, you realize the impossible scope of nature just changing around you, and you can't <laughs> even begin to fathom the idea of going from your set course. <laughs> and then, boom, you crash into... I don't know, the wall. <laughs> the other car was <laughs> changing lanes. Okay, okay. But back on top, back on track. So, the car in front of you, you want to pass, but let's say you're afraid of changing lanes. Mm -hmm. The car behind you is just honking you. Mm -hmm. And let's say you're more afraid of the car behind you is going to hit you in the back of your car, for instance. Mm -hmm. Suddenly you would have something that pushes you to actually, you know, switch lanes or pass the call. 
So that way, well, the person that's in front of you will be behind you, and they can get honked at and probably hit in the back. And that also kind of encompasses, to a certain degree, about what courage is, the ability to overcome the fear. Uh, you have any thoughts on that? Okay, I've got another example of my own that's a bit more a, a bit more severe. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> you ever heard of barrier troops? I've never heard of it. So you know how when you have a machine gun, you're usually supposed to use it on the enemy troops. Uh huh. So the Soviet Union. Wait. <laughs> 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 During World War II, they had a problem with troops running away, right? Because you don't want to run into a gun. There's a fear there, right? Yeah. So they stationed men with machine guns called barrier troops behind their own lines. So that if you ran away, they just gunned you down. (laughs) So in a very real way, there's a fear behind you that's greater than the fear in front of you. (laughs) Yeah, that's... 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 It's an example. <laughs> it's, it's an example. I won't say it's, you know, the best example. So, there are also ways that you can become fearless, like I said before when I was mentioning the book, right? Yeah. By taking on tasks that you would find to be, well, fearful. terrifying. Yeah, fearful, fearful. But you would initially have to use courage in order to do the thing that you fear. Mm-hmm. So I would say it's like a input feedback, input process feedback, or whatever you want to say it. The input would be the thing, the process would be the courage, and the fear, and the feedback would be the fearlessness that comes out of it. Okay. So you have the courage to do a podcast, right? Okay. Suddenly, you stop developing a fear of, well, you know, talking to an audience, right? Mm-hmm. Well, you diminish the fear, right? I'm not going to say you completely eliminate it. Which in so, yeah. turn might diminish your public speaking fear generally. Not as much, but... Yeah, not as much. Well, but... no, because the whole point is you're speaking to a lot of people generally, but you're not seeing them. Mm-hmm. So it requires less courage, but you get less benefit from it. Yeah. But, of course, you're still going to get some benefit, right? Yeah, it's like therapy, the exposure therapy, when they expose you to a picture of a spider before they expose you to an actual spider. Yeah, that's a great analogy. And, by the way, I'm not afraid of talking to crowds. Just thought I should let you know. <laughs> oh, that. Monty, you don't have to be afraid. <laughs> you're afraid. What are you talking about? <laughs> I'm sorry, guys, for Monty's ill behavior. He's afraid of public speaking. <laughs> <laughs> Did you just cry on stream? Uh, editor, cut that out. <clears throat> yes, <Okay>. definitely. <clears throat> definitely. Business. Yeah, yeah. Business, business, business. Okay, but so I was talking about how you can become fearless through using courage, right? Mm-hmm. I wonder, is there any more that I could talk? Oh, yeah. So. Like I said, the, the book, 50th Law, right, talks about Robert Greene having an interviewer, talking to 50 Cent, following him around, and then Robert Greene, the writer, realized that, you know, the stuff that 50 Cent does is 
it kind of seems reckless, but at the same time, it always works out. And I'm going to go on a logical conclusion and say it's because he developed fearlessness and knows that, well, has an idea that everything will be okay in the end. Because once again, that's the same dude that grew up in a very bad place. At a very bad time. So, oh, you have something to say? Or... Okay. Uh, it's interesting. I, I know that this is going slightly off topic, but mm -hmm. I've continued to peruse the barrier troop question okay. to find out that they are attempting to revive it right now. <laughs> Why? Hang on. Hang on. <laughs> They're trying to revive uh, barrier troops due to what the... Uh, Apparently, one of the Russian like propagandists calls "quote unquote" milky and childish soldiers. <laughs> milky and childish. Soldiers. I I don't know how this has to do with like snap, crackle, and pop being put on the front lines, but <laughs> it does somehow. We'll it find does. out eventually. Obviously, milky, it does. But... So <clears throat> continue. I found mm -hmm. it funny. So this, this part of courage and fearlessness kind of goes into one of the topics and, well, the guy, quote-unquote, book that I'm writing, right? And it's about, not opportunity, but being present. Because once you develop a level of fearlessness, you basically have the ability, or you develop a lot of courage, develop the ability to just be in the moment, enjoy it, and know that everything will be okay. Hmm. Well, it's a it's a mixture of both, but you get you get what I'm getting at, correct? Well, I, I think that they actually are different the way you're describing them. Because it still is perfectly possible for somebody to not they don't have the fear, like they're fearless. Mm -hmm. but they're not courageous because if they come up against something they haven't seen before that can make them afraid, they will run away. I mean, no, no, no I, never, I never said that courage and fearlessness are the same. Well, but you said you were going to rebuke me later on, so I'm just wondering when. Okay, so the part I was rebuking is the part about fearlessness being because someone is stupid where they can't understand it. Which, mm -hmm. of course, that can have a part to play in. <laughs> I mean, like, I mean, truly, because if someone doesn't understand the stakes of what they're getting into, and they jump into it, then they're not going to have any fear because they don't know any better. What's it innocent? Guess? The spoonful of cinnamon challenge. You remember that? <sighs> that <laughs> was an era. There's a kid that's like, oh, it's not going to hurt. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, that's not. And then, like the Tide Pod challenge. Oh gosh, that was that wasn't even fearlessness. That was just ignorance. <laughs> yeah. You know what? Okay. There's a difference between fearlessness and ignorance, right? Mm -hmm. I it, it's pretty self-explanatory, right? But yeah. fearlessness is just the lack of fear. Ignorance is just the lack of smart. Mm. To just put it bluntly. Yeah, some people just need a little bit more understanding of why they should be afraid of things. 
No, they need a basic understanding. Of anything? <laughs> of anything. Some common sense. But, you know, common sense is not so common as... I think it was Voltaire once said. I don't know. Voltaire, you mean? Volaire oh, sounds I'm... like a knockoff air conditioning brand. <laughs> <laughs> you know what, just for that, his... So, um, my boy Volaire, right? He, uh, he made a air conditioning company and he had a lot of good quotes. <laughs> okay, but let's, uh, let's get some closing thoughts going. So, you got mm. some thoughts for your, for your topic today? I just think a lot of people need to work more on their voices and improving their vocal range because it makes it a lot more interesting than like you've ever sat in a room with somebody who had the most monotone voice ever. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> there are certain I people who just put you to sleep, you know, Bueller, Bueller. I have, <laughs> I have never, I have never experienced that in my entire life. I don't know what you're talking about, but it's important to work on your voice. Cause it's, like one of the first things people are gonna know about you. So yeah. it it's your herald, it's what's announcing your presence. So if you get a good voice, you could be up on the right foot from the get go. But if you have mm-hmm. a bad voice, you're already gonna be one down. Like I don't I don't care how good looking you are, if you have an like a, one of those nasally like Igor voices. <laughs> yeah. You know what, since we're here and we got some time to kill, <clears throat> what would you say is what 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 defines a good voice? Okay, so obviously you want to have some diversity in your voice. Mm-hmm. Like you can't just have a good voice for nothing. Even the rock has to have some inflection. Mm-hmm. But you also have to make sure that don't erase your natural voice sound, right? Don't Yeah. Because that's you. That's who you are. So keep your natural voice. Your whole point is you're just trying to expand the borders of it. It also sounds very hoarse. <laughs> like, for real, have you ever, like, heard those people that are just like, Oh, yeah, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm cool like that. I'm Corpse Husband. I mean, okay. They, they you know, try like, corp- to... Uh, not dogging on Corpse Husband. Good guy. <laughs> but people who try to copy what you're saying is essentially trying to exchange a natural voice for just edgy. Yeah. All right, but but carry on. Yeah, keep your natural voice. That's what I'm saying. Uh, How about you? Okay, so to, you know, get some closing thoughts on the topic I was talking about. So, like I said, courage is, in theory, the ability to overcome a fear. It can be a huge fear, but you will just need a lot of courage to overcome it. And then fearlessness is the lack of fear. And don't confuse fearlessness for ignorance, or courage for stupidity. So, that's basically all that I have for my thoughts. So, Monty, I have an interesting challenge for you. Do you now? What's your favorite rock movie? Ooh. Mm. That's hard. Um. Ooh. See, I was gonna say the Fast 
furious movies but let me tell you those are so overdone to the point where they're not even <laughs> they're not even valid see it's like a good portion of the movies he basically plays in they're usually just like oh yeah I'm going to watch a movie with the boys, and it doesn't matter what movie we're going to watch. Oh, it happens to be a movie with The Rock in it, right? Yeah. The Rock is a a boys movie kind of guy. Yeah. I would say... Hmm. There's got to be one monster. I think it was San Andreas was the name of it. The one with, like, a bunch... San Andreas? No, 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 no. just the movie San Andreas. Because, like, I might be... Remembering it correctly, but can you look that up right quick because I discuss it? Alright. So, alright. So, in the movie, he basically played a hey, guy. Hey, hey. Hmm? So, you find the challenge. Yeah, that's the movie San Andreas. Alright, I've got a challenge for okay. you, Monty, if you're willing to accept it. I want to hear it first. Can you, for your Monty minute, explain the entirety of the plot of San Andreas? I already have something I want to do for Monty Minute, but okay, you know what? You can I'll do that help. instead. I'm just saying. You know what? You know what? No, that will be a lot more fun. You know what? Okay, <laughs> I'll, I'll explain the whole plot of San Andreas in one minute. All right, your time starts in three, two, one, go. Okay, so the movie starts off pretty simple. There's The Rock. He's got his crew. They're basically saving this girl from a car accident. So they basically get the helicopter, pull him up, pull her up. And then once they get back to base, he calls his wife, he goes over to meet his wife. Turns out the wife, you know, they got divorced a while ago, and they, she already moved on. She has a husband, or his daughter, basically doesn't really like the stepdad much. So then they, basically, he, the stepdad, takes the daughter out to a building or someplace to get a job. And then there's a huge earthquake that happens. A stepfather ditches. 20 seconds. The stepdad ditches the daughter, <laughs> and then the daughter's stuck in a car. Then some dude with his little brother comes in, saves her. Ten they go on a whole, they, they go on a whole journey. <laughs> they reach somewhere safe. The dad comes in with a helicopter. They start having some all kinds of crazy stuff. Building falls down. Time. The world's going to crack. <laughs> <laughs> Looks like you've got to practice your Monty minute. Hey, come on, man. <laughs> it's, it's Gotta be faster, minute. man. Gotta be faster. It's the plot of a movie. Come on, man. <laughs> Though, I'll point this out. Why does it feel like The Rock is always divorced in any movie he's in? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> See, right. I would explain the rest of the plot, but, I mean, my minute's up, so you guys gotta watch the movie yourself. Alright. Anything else you have to say, Monty? No, nothing else to say. All right. Well, I'm Hezekiah, the dumbest genius. I'm Monty, the smartest idiot. Thank you all for watching.